One of the greatest mistakes in human history is made known in leadership. Leadership. What is that? We're going to talk about leadership today as we look at Judges chapter 11. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Embry. I'm Jess. And this is Bible Discovery TV. Thank you for watching as we go through the Bible. That's the Word of God. That's what we believe. And we do that every year. This is our 33rd year. Corey and Ryan are here to help us. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at a temple mentioned in Judges 9, but also found archaeologically. Ryan? What is the book of Judges really all about? Well, I can tell you this. It's more than just an account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest and the rise of King David. So we'll talk about it. All right, very good. Look forward to that coming up in about 20 minutes time. Janice? There's times when the walk is difficult. All right, very good. Janice is coming up in about 25 minutes time. Right now, open up your Bible guide and your Bible and let's look at what the Lord is saying to us. Judges 11, 1 through 11. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot. And Gilead begot Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was, when the people of Ammon made war against Israel, that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, Come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, That is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, If you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them, and Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Judges chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. We continue reading through the book of Judges as we go through the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, Judges 10, 11, 12, and 13. Now in our reading today, we see how God chooses the least likely man for the task of leadership. Wow, it's amazing how the Bible records the truth of Israel's history so that we can learn from the fallops, bleeps, and blunders of those 
who have come before us. A common human blunder has always been leadership. Even today, there are bookshelves full of self-help books on the topic. Many authors claim to know what makes a good and great leader, and they list steps to achieve it. I'm sure these can get you part of the way there, but only God can make truly a great and determined leader. And it's worth noting that just claiming leadership and having power doesn't make you a great leader. In our Bible reading, we can see God choosing those in Israel's leadership despite their preferences. Jephthah, his life and leadership is the story of a man who was rejected by his own people, but chosen by God for a task. He was far from perfect, trust me, but he had a job to do for God's people, and God knew that. So I don't know what you're thinking about leadership, but I can tell you that it is God who makes that decision. <laughs> so take out your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we look at this particular Judges chapter 11. And remember, your Bible guide is available. If you want to call us or write to us, we'd be happy to send you one. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Click on it. It'll take you to a page and you can download it. Very, very good. Now, we need to pray because our personal call, everybody here listening to me today has a personal call from God. And the question is, have we invited Jesus Christ into our life? And if we've done that, did we really do that? And if we really did that, then we have a call. And so what is that call? Let's explore and learn. Father, I pray today, as we journey on this path, that you would speak to those, even as we discuss this particular scripture, and they would sense in their heart what their journey and their path is, as you have already revealed it to them in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now I'm, I'm looking at this passage and it's amazing because Judges chapter 11 verses 1 to 3 is fascinating. It says, now Jephthah, that's how it starts. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty man of valor. But you know, he was the son of a harlot. Whoa, the son of a harlot, a prostitute? Are you serious? And Gilead begot Jephthah. Wow, Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Well, then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob, and worthless men banded together with Jephthah, and they went out raiding with him. Boy, that's not a very good leader so far. Jephthah, the future leader of Israel, was the head of a bunch of criminals. <laughs> this is fascinating, I tell you. See, who we are, who we are meant to be, is determined by the will of God and our obedience to him. Who we are meant to be is determined by the will of God and our obedience to him. Let that sink in because that's very important. And as that's sinking in, let's go on to the next passage because it's good. Jephthah cha or, uh, Judges chapter 11, verse four, it says, and it came to pass after a time 
that the people of Amnon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, what they're talking to him, they said, come and be our commander that we may fight against the people of Amnon. Fascinating. So now Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me? and expel me from my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, well, that's why we have come and turned to you, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Amnon and be our head over all of the inhabitants of Gilead. What? You see, when those who had rejected Jephthah became desperate, they called on him or they called him back to lead them. And I would simply say, never say never. God will do or God's will is to make our calling sure and secure. And our calling, you know, you might think, because I, I thought this when I was turning 40. I thought I'll never be a pastor, never be a pastor. I'll always work in television, never be a pastor. And God wrestled me to the ground took my wife out for dinner and I said, God is speaking to me. And my wife said, God is speaking to me too. And I said, oh Lord, you talked to both of us. And we pastored the church for 17 years. Now, it's important to realize this because God is doing something unique in Jephthah's life. All right, let's read the last part of this because it gets good. So Jephthah, here's what he said to the elders of Gilead, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Amnon and the Lord delivers them to me, shall I be your head? Verse 10. And the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And Jephthah spoke all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. That's amazing. You see, God's calling on Jephthah was made sure and secure by God. The Lord has divinely called each man. He has divinely called each woman. And we would do well to follow God's lead. Beloved, you're called everybody's called. The question is, are we fulfilling that calling? There are things where we work, things where we live, things where we exist that need an answer from God. Now, if you go out, if you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to go about my business and I'm going to do the best I can do to serve you and give the answer of God to people, then you're doing his calling. God has called you to live and to be the person who represents him. That's what a Christian is. Somebody whose life is changed and somebody who represents God. And beloved, we need that now more than ever before. And so, Father, I pray today that you would speak to people and help them to see this. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done in my life and everything you're continuing to do in the lives of these many people who are watching and I pray, Lord, that they would see you and catch a glimpse of what you've called them to. 
and begin to operate in that direction. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, uh, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And we've been reading through the book of Judges. And you know, to go along with that, I really thought that it would be helpful to ask a very fundamental question. And that is, what is this book really all about? Now, at first, it may seem to be just a straightforward account of the sad history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. And yes, it does do that. But when you take a closer look, there is a specific message that the writer of Judges is trying to convey. So let's see if we can't discover what that message is. On the surface, Judges appears to be a simple and straightforward account of Israel's dark history between Joshua's conquest of Canaan and the rise of David. As a matter of fact, apart from the brief story of Ruth, Judges provides the only extant account of this particular time period. And yet, as Bible scholar J. Allen Groves points out, the recounting of that history was not its primary purpose. Indeed, composed sometime after David had become king, Judges was written to the Israelites to address the difficulty that their leaders, the Judges, had had in leading God's people to fear the Lord and keep covenant. Failure to follow the Lord by fearing Him and keeping His covenant threatened Israel's continued peace and presence in the Promised Land. Thus, Judges calls the Israelites to consider carefully whom they would follow. More particularly, Judges' purpose is number one to demonstrate the failure of Israel's leadership to pass on the knowledge of God to the next generation or to lead them in covenant keeping. And number two, to argue for a better leader, a covenant keeping king, not a judge from Judah, not Benjamin, David, not Saul. Though David and Saul are never mentioned by name in Judges, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin are contrasted many times. In fact, the book opens by noting the crisis in leadership created by Joshua's death and God's answer that Judah would lead Israel in completing the conquest. Judges then continues by outlining the general success of the tribe of Judah in taking their allotted inheritance and the almost universal failure of the other tribes to do likewise, with the tribe of Benjamin being first on that list. Benjamin also instigated a civil war in Israel, causing all the other tribes to war against him. Interestingly, while scholars have only been able to roughly date the book of Judges to some time after David rose to power, this anti-Benjamite and pro-Judahite narrative has led some to suspect that it was probably written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne, one from the house of David and the other from the house of Saul. That is the period when David was king in the south in Hebron, and Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, was king of the ten northern tribes in Ephraim. If this is correct, then the writer of Judges was encouraging his fellow Israelites to choose and follow King David. Unfortunately, David's godly leadership died with him, and most of his heirs proved to be complete moral failures, which once again sent the nation into a downward spiral, culminating in God's judgment upon them. 
And so the Old Testament story as a whole still cries out, like the book of Judges does, for a leader who would be faithful to God and lead his people in keeping covenant. Significantly, that cry is answered in Christ Jesus, who of course was also from the tribe of Judah and descended from David. Therefore, the book of Judges called its original audience to follow a king who would lead them in knowing and fearing the Lord. And now it issues the same call to us, except that the king to follow is no longer David, but Jesus. So Judges' purpose wasn't to recount the history of the Judges just for the sake of having a record of it. The reason it was recording Israel's history seems to be a warning. It was a warning to the Israelites to make sure that they appointed proper leadership. A king, not a judge. From the tribe of Judah, not Benjamin. David, not Saul. This plea Judges makes may suggest that the book was written in the period when there were two viable candidates for the throne, one from the house of David and the other from the house of Saul, which was the time period when David was king in the south and Saul's son Ishbosheth was king of the north. Now, if this is right, then Judges was clearly pleading with the Israelites to choose and follow King David. And what's so significant is that in the light of the New Testament, Judges also calls us to follow a king. The difference is that king is no longer David, but Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So you're suggesting then that the possibility of this being authored at the time in that transition was key. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a really important point to remember because we have to remember that the authors are projecting something based on the current time they're in. Yes, So that's, that's right. good. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Ryan. Corey? All right. So today I want to take a look at something that was actually in our reading from yesterday. So over the weekend, our assigned reading went up to Judges chapter 9. And in Judges chapter 9, we have Gideon's son. So the judge Gideon, his son Abimelech, manages to become king at the city of Shechem or Shechem for three years. But at the end of those three years, there's you know treachery between the men of Shechem and uh, Abimelech. And a, a large temple to Baal Bereth features here in this story in Judges chapter 9. It was at the city of Shechem or Shechem, uh, and uh, it, it plays a key role. But it's really interesting because archaeologists who have been excavating ancient Shechem have found something that looks pretty much exactly like this temple. Take a look. Thanks to ongoing archaeological work that began in the early 1900s, much is known about the ancient city of Shechem. Shechem is a city featured often in the Bible, and historically it held a great amount of power and influence. This power is likely why Abimelech, the son of Gideon, launched a bid for kingship at Shechem, as recorded in the biblical book of Judges. While he did rule for three years, Abimelech's hold was not to last. He was betrayed by the men of Shechem, whom he then defeated in battle and turned his sights on destroying what is called the fortress or stronghold of the Temple of Baal Bereth. Abimelech set fires along the walls of this tower, eventually suffocating and burning all those who had huddled themselves inside. Excavations at Shechem in the 1920s unearthed what was then the largest fortress temple known in Canaan. With two towers guarding its entrance, Shechem's temple still boasts 17-foot-thick foundation walls. On top of those walls would have been high mud brick and wooden walls supporting the multiple stories of the temple. Stairwells in the front towers would have reached those floors. 
In the courtyard that spread out before the temple, there was a large sacrificial altar and three standing stones. Two of the stones flanked the entrance, while the largest occupied its own spot in the courtyard. It was five feet wide and around 10 feet tall. And though broken off in antiquity, it still stands five feet tall today. The late Professor Lawrence Steger has advocated for the natural association of this fortress temple with Abimelech's temple in Judges 9. The temple was originally built sometime in the 16 or 1500s BC, making it an already ancient stronghold by the days of Abimelech. Standing stones in and around Shechem are mentioned in the biblical histories of Joshua and Abimelech, so it's no surprise that they've also been found at Shechem's fortress temple. Unfortunately for us, these stones were not carved with the writing that once adorned their surface. They were plastered and painted on, all of which has since been lost to time. So there we go. Always really awesome when archaeologists are able, you know, because there's so much time and so much has happened in the Holy Land between Abimelech and us. It's always so amazing when they're able to find something that, that, uh, has survived at least the ruins have survived for this long because be, it's a, there's so much time that's taken place yeah, I and mean, history yeah it, it's just amazing and uh, you would expect to find it if the bible says it's there you would expect to find it but nevertheless when you find it you can't say it's there unless you make sure that you study it and uh, come up with the conclusions even then be careful for sure you even be then and people will deny it the fascinating stuff very good janice well jephthah what can we say about Jephthah? <sighs> right. And reading through the judges, you know, we have the advantage point of sitting here and kind of looking at the pages and saying, oh my goodness, what were you thinking? Or why did you do what you did? And you know what? I'm, I'm telling you, if, if I had my life written in pages and you could read that, I would be doing the same thing about me. You might be doing the same thing, reading my story. And yet we see here this man, Jephthah, and we look at how his life is being set up. He's the son of a harlot. His brothers, whether it was just out of disgust or whether it was out of jealousy or they didn't want him to have any of the inheritance of their father, they kicked him out. They, they, they got rid of Jephthah, and Jephthah went away to another land called Tob, and as we read in the scriptures, he started a band of criminals, really. And why not? I mean, if he was disqualified as being a brother from his brothers, then, you know, his attitude about himself was probably not great either. He was just going to be the head of something else, another group. But we're told over and over again in the scriptures that we are not, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are not to judge other people by the outward appearance. And you know what? That can also be a very personal thing. I know I have spoken to a lot of people who really feel with all their heart that they have done so much wrong that God could never forgive them that they could never be a Christian, that they could just never achieve anything. And you know what? That is a lie from Satan. God sent his son Jesus to die once and for all. And we need to come to God just as we are. It is God and our obedience to him that begins a change in us. But with Jephthah, 
his brothers saw him in a different way until they ran into trouble. And then they called Jephthah. And isn't that sometimes how fickle that we are? My point today is just that we need to be very careful. What we see on the outside of people, even sometimes their decisions and their actions, cause us to make a determination about that person. Or if we remember somebody back from childhood or whatever point in our life, we kind of peg them in a knot hole and we keep them in that place. And we do that wrongly and unfairly because the Janice that I was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago is not the same Janice I certainly hope that I am here today. And I hope the Janice that sits here today isn't the same Janice like that if I should live my life into my 70s and 80s and beyond. So we need to remember that the grace of God is what changes us. We're not special. It's the mercy and the love of God that will come in. And if we truly want to change, if we truly want our sins forgiven, when we come to a God who created us in his own image and he has given us his only son as a way that we can come back to him in repentance, then why wouldn't we? That's what he extends to us. That's what he extends to you today. If you've been on the fence, if you've been just thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm kind of like Jephthah. Everybody's rejected me. People think that I can't, I can't do good. People think that... You're right, we can't do good on our own. The only good that you see here and sitting around this table would come from God and his word in us. So don't put yourself into that place. Come to the Lord Jesus as you are. He will come in and he will begin a transformation in your life. The walk isn't gonna be easy. Jephthah's life wasn't easy and it didn't get easy after he did his conquering. You'll read on and find out what happened. But those of us too, looking at one another. Let's try not to judge the other person, the outward appearance. Only God knows the heart. We don't, and thank God for that. He knows our hearts. I just want to tell you that if you look up Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube, you'll find a place where we present videos. These videos are really fun and they're great. And we live the word of Lord and then we present it to you in the video. So make sure that you join and subscribe and be a part of that. And we'll share them with you on a daily basis. Right now, let's pray. Lord, help me to adjust my thinking according to your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.